As we turn to Scripture together, let's pray. Creating God, source of all good, be a light to our path. Open our ears to to hear your word. Open our eyes to see your beauty. Open our hearts to know your peace. In the spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 17. Let's listen together for what the spirit is saying to us. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Several years ago, I was at a Benedictine monastery with a group of seminary students. This is uh, actually the monastery. It's, it's in Conyers, Georgia, just south of Atlanta. And at noon every day, the monks had worship and guests from the monastery and people from the the surrounding community would join them. So I was sitting in worship, watching people come forward for communion. And a man walked forward wearing a sweatshirt, and the sweatshirt said, I can only be nice to one person a day, and today is not your day. (laughs) And as he walked past me, I noticed, what did the back say? Tomorrow doesn't look too good either. That's what the back of the shirt said. That's exactly right. Now, I found this to be a really amazing juxtaposition. On the one hand, the man is engaged in worship. He's, he's giving thanks to God. He's confessing his sin. He's coming forward to receive communion, not because he's worthy, but because of the divine grace that falls like rain all around him. This is what we do in Christian worship. And then on the other hand, he's wearing this shirt that declares his independence, his autonomy, that suggests he has no obligations, no necessary connection to anyone else in the world. Now, obviously, the sweatshirt is a joke, but it raises a good question. What's the, what's the deep truth of our lives? Are we self-made? Are we autonomous and independent? Are we on our own? Or are we dependent on the divine breath that gives us life, the divine grace that makes each day possible, the divine compassion that calls us to care for one another? What is the truth of our lives? Our perspective, how we see things, makes all the difference. A Jewish tradition says that the parting of the Red Sea, you know, from the book of Exodus, that this, from the book of Exodus, this was the greatest miracle ever performed. It was so extraordinary that on that day, even a common servant beheld more than all the miracles beheld by all the prophets combined. 
And yet, there is a teaching that mentions two Israelites, Reuben and Simon, who had a different experience. Apparently, the bottom of the sea, though it was safe to walk on, was not completely dry, but it was muddy, like a beach at low tide. Reuben stepped into it and and curled his lip. What is this muck? Simon scowled. There's mud all over the place. This is just like the slime pits of Egypt, said Reuben. What's the difference, complained Simon. Mud here, mud there, it's all the same. And so the two of them walked through the, the path, grumbling their way across the bottom of the sea. And because they never once looked up, They never understood why on the distant shore everyone else was singing songs of praise. For Simon and Reuben, the miracle never happened. Our perspective, how we see things, makes all the difference. So Jesus had entered a tiny village along the border between Galilee and Samaria, and he was approached by ten lepers. Now, in the Bible, the word leprosy is imprecise. It covers a whole range of conditions and skin diseases. We're not really sure what plagued these ten people, but they were considered unclean, and so they huddled together in their own communities at the edges of society. And they were required by religious law to keep their distance from the clean people, but they would position themselves near well-traveled roads so that they could beg for food. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's what they said when they saw Jesus. And Jesus answered, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now it was the priest's job to certify that a person was cured, that they were clean and and ready to return to the community. So Jesus is telling them, in effect, they've already been cured, or at least they will be before they get to the priests. So they took off. And that's, that's really the end of the story for nine of them. We can presume that they made their way to the priests after discovering that they had been made clean along the way. And so they threw off their tattered clothes and washed up and restored, uh, restored their life to the community. But one of them never made it to the priests. When he discovered that he had been made clean, he turned around. He turned back and ran back to the village where Jesus was. And he he threw himself at Jesus' feet. Notice he gets gets close now. He doesn't keep his distance. And he shouted words of of praise and thanksgiving. Now Jesus' response to him is really interesting. Were not ten made clean, he asks? Where are the other nine? Well, the other nine are presumably off doing what Jesus told them to do, showing themselves to the priests. They're being obedient, but not the one. When divine grace surged through his life, he had to drop everything and run to give thanks, no matter what the rules said. Or Jesus says to the one who returned, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, the Greek word that's translated get up here is the same word used for the resurrection. It's to be raised. The call isn't just to stand up. It's to be raised to new life. Jesus really is here doing the work of the priests, restoring this man to his life and to his community. And the Greek word here that is translated made well is the same word used for salvation. Your faith has saved you. The one who turned back had already been cured along with the other nine. But now he's found something more, something deeper. 
All ten lepers had their bodies cured. All ten were touched by divine grace. But only one found deeper healing. Only one found salvation in the fullest sense of that word. And he was the one who, upon seeing the miracle, turned back to give thanks and praise. Why did he do it? Why was he the one who turned back? Well, the text tells us that he was a Samaritan. And that may be our clue. The other nine were presumably Israelites. They were members of the chosen people. They were insiders. Maybe they had come to expect divine grace in their lives. Maybe they even thought they deserved it, that it it was their birthright. But this Samaritan was a foreigner. He was an outsider. He wasn't one of the chosen people, so he he couldn't presume anything. He didn't feel entitled to anything. I actually think that's what faith means here. Not that he believes all the right things, but that he receives divine grace as a gift. So when when healing surged through his life, his heart nearly burst with gratitude, and he had to express it. Perhaps the nine expected it, but the one was surprised by joy. Our perspective... How we see things makes all the difference. Elizabeth Browning reminds us, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every bush is aflame with the glory of God. But only those who see take off their shoes. The rest just pick the berries. You have never met an ordinary person or lived an ordinary day, or walked past an ordinary tree. We are awash in miracles every moment, every day. Now this doesn't mean we don't suffer, and it doesn't mean we can stagger around awestruck all the time. But there are moments when we see the miracle, when divine grace breaks through the noise, and in those moments... We have to turn back and praise. Life can beat us up and wear us down. It can leave us lost, wandering and wondering. Don't you feel the heaviness of it sometimes? But praise brings buoyancy. It is an antidote to fear. Praise won't let despair rob us of today, this moment, this miracle. Another word for this overflowing of thanks and praise mixed together is joy. Now this may feel like a strange moment to be talking about joy given the unrest in the world and especially in the Middle East within just a few miles of the spot where this story takes place. And we certainly pause to pray for the people of Israel after this terrorist attack and for the innocent people in Gaza and for all of those caught up in this conflict. And we pray that in some way beyond our imagining, justice and peace might prevail. It's an unhappy time to be talking about joy. But joy is deeper than happiness. And it's a little indifferent to boundaries and borders. Joy is gratitude for the gifts of the past and hope for a more just future and a refusal to allow fear to define the present. 
This may not be a time when we can all be happy, but it may be a time for joy, for deep gratitude and defiant hope. This quote by Mary Oliver seems intended for just this moment. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. With apologies to my friend in the sweatshirt in that Benedictine monastery, we are not on our own. We are held together by God's great abiding love. Life is gift, and we are a gift to each other. Just to get up each day is windfall, and to have each other is grace upon grace. Let us see the miracle And let us respond with more than a little joy. After all, joy is not made to be a crumb. Thanks be to God. Amen.